There are multiple ways to keep in touch with the Wolf Connection podcast. Through our Instagram handle, the Wolf Connection Pod, and for comments and questions, send us an email to podcast at wolfconnection.org with your comments, questions, and guest ideas for Stephen and myself. You may hear your question answered on an upcoming podcast. Thank you for your support and howls to you all. Welcome to the Wolf Connection Podcast. I'm your host, John Calvin. Let's talk about some more. This has been a little bit in the making, probably since the symposium back in October, uh, the Wolf Symposium in October. Uh, I met this wonderful woman there, and she does an outstanding amount of work with Trap Free Montana. She's the president and founder. Uh, since it became a C3 organization in 2015, she is Casey York. Casey, wonderful to see you again. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for the opportunity to do yeah. this. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted, obviously, you know, for you and Stephen to meet because we all three of us couldn't be there uh, together at the symposium. Um, there's a lot going on. I have more papers strewn in front of me, I think, than any other podcast at this moment. We have websites open. So I want to get into the meat and potatoes of a lot of this stuff. But just really quick, I want everybody just to get a little bit of your background. How did you get involved or how did you get the thought to start Trap Free Montana and get into really this advocacy work in in that state? Oh, um, I've been advocating for, for animals my whole life since I'm knee high to a grasshopper, um, rescuing them, you know, all kinds of stuff. My my stepfather was a rancher and a hunter and a trapper. Um, and I, <laughs> my mother was a New York model. And so they were from the city, you know, they were very, very different. Um, and that was kind of kind of cool growing up with both. So one of the things um, that I just find so appalling is trapping. And even he did. He he trapped, um, he trapped my stepfather trapped during the depression you know, and he admitted it's cruel. So um, I helped in Colorado with their um, constitutional amendment against trapping. And then when I moved to back then, it was calling trees. We didn't, we didn't have social media. That's how we operated. We needed 50,000 signatures. We got 150,000. And then when I moved to Montana, I found out, wow, they're Trapping is still going on. And fast forward when I was busy, you know, done with my kids, raising my kids to a point where I could do something other than be busy raising children, I um, wound up um, working on, you know, trying to get trap free public lands. And um, when another organization was going to do it years later and rescinded, we felt the trappers aren't waiting and we can't either. And so some of us formed Trap Free Montana Public Lands, which was a ballot initiative. And by the time we got that going, we only had four months, but we we got more signatures than any other citizen-driven ballot initiative, all volunteer. Um, the educational piece we had done before that was evident people were running over to sign the ballot initiative with the other organization we had tried years prior and people were like trapping, they're still trapping. Um, and so from that, we didn't get on the on the ballot in 2014 and asked our attorney, what should we do? And he's, you know, be a C4 or a C3, he said, do both. <laughs> so 
I now have Trap Free Montana, which is a C3 and does the educational piece and um, a lot of the work. And Trap Free Montana Public Lands is a C4 and it does more stuff in the legislature. And that's kind of kind of it in a nutshell, how we got going. Do you think you could just give us a summarized history of trapping in America, which I, I guess would have started with the Native Americans trapping using basic traps, snares, pit, pit traps, et cetera. And then Europeans sort of modernized those devices and brought them here. But from then on, how did trapping impact that developing American culture? You know, I, I really, I, I know trapping pretty well, or, or but I, um, I think I'd fall short on that. I could take a shot at what we, you know, the little I do know. Um, I mean, it was, a, you know, for out West, in particular, I believe um, it was a major development in, in um, you know, claiming the West, and it also wiped out a lot of a lot of species. <laughs> um, along with with hunting, it kind of you know tied into that. It was very unregulated, but I I would think from from my little knowledge of the history, for one thing, it's gone on way too long, <laughs> but. Um, that it it really claimed, you know, wiped out so many species. What's the status or the overall picture presently in Montana? Because we'll jump in, the, in that aspect of what does trapping look like there in terms of the types of traps that are used, the ethical or unethical ways that things are being used to, to go about catching wildlife and, and, and killing wildlife there and why is it so egregious and how has it evolved to get to this point where there's, it seems as though in Montana, it's no holds barred and you can pretty much do whatever you want to get the animal you're trying to capture. Yeah, um, I think you just answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Montana is one of the worst in the country. We're absolutely one of the worst um, when they when the different states receive a, a grade. We got almost an F, and the only reason we didn't get an F is because all traps and snares have to have a metal identification tag on them, identifying the trapper, unless you're trapping on your own land. So that's it. I mean, in Montana. We have no trap check requirement other than other than two limited exceptions. So animals can be, you know, caught in traps for days, for weeks, until the trapper gets around to checking them. Um, a, a warden once um, said there's a, a trapper and his line runs so long, it takes him a month to get from one end to the other. There's no limit on how many traps they can set. There's there's no reporting. Some, some states have um, like a registered trap line, which is, to me is smart because then the wardens can check and make sure that if there's laws, Montana has so few, but if there are that they're following and we don't have any of that. Only the trapper knows where their traps are. Um, an average of an estimated, according to Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, 50,000 wildlife are trapped annually in Montana. That doesn't include all the non-targets. And, you know, the mountain lions, the, the dogs, the raptors, <laughs> um, the grizzlies, 
the protected species. Only um, five animals they can trap have a quota. So in other words, the number that they're allowed to trap, and that's for like bobcat, otter, swift fox, fisher, and wolf. All the rest can be trapped unlimited and unreported. So we, we don't even really know. Um, they send out, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks sends out an annual survey to trappers who buy a license. But it's a voluntary survey and only one third of them return it. So again, we have no idea how many are, this is happening to. On top of that, you don't need a license to trap in Montana. You only need a license to trap, let's see, eight species plus wolf. So nine species, there's the fur bearers and a wolf and wolves. You have to buy a trapping license. It's like $28 for a resident. And with that license, you can trap, unless there's a quota, and that's more like how many they allow to be killed, not how many you can kill. <laughs> um, wolves is another exception because there's you can trap 10 wolves now in Montana per, per trapper. But so for $28, you can go out there and you know get all these bobcat and otter, get your 10 wolves, get you know, on and on. Okay. And the fact you don't need a license then for all the other species to trap them. So you're not going to get that survey, right? And those other species are all the non-game, I mean, dozens and dozens of species that can be trapped and nobody's, nobody's keeping track. Nobody's, nobody's regulating that. Um, they came up, in fact, we had a bill back in 2019 for trapper education, mandatory trapper education, because we didn't have that either. And it, they, we, there were attempts through the legislature to get that and it kept failing and failing. And during the trapping advisory committee meeting, they were all gung-ho, we need trapper education. That, that's been their answer to all the cruelty, to all the indiscriminate um, captures of these animals and traps and snares. Oh, it's just education. We need trapper education. So um, Wolves the Rockies and Trap Free got a bill forward to the legislature for mandatory trapper education. And the trappers immediately killed it because we were a part of it. And we asked them to be a part and they lied on the stand and said, that never happened. So now we have, they did pass trapper education last legislative session. And it's really just smoke and mirrors like much of Montana, um, much of Montana's regulations. So it sounds good because they'll be able to say, we have educated trappers. But what they don't tell you is, you don't need a, um, to do trapper education if you have purchased three trapping licenses in your lifetime from anywhere, <laughs> from anywhere, not, not Montana, from anywhere. Or if you are trapping for livestock or property protection. So that's where your wolves fall into it again, right? Why the smoke and mirrors? Why... The state of Montana was this beacon of 
beautiful animals and scenery and tourism and and I think there there and I'm not and I'm not saying that all Montanans are this way. That's not and please those of you that are listening if you're in Montana that's not my point. It just seems to be that the governing bodies in power are trying to wield this in a way that it's taking away the beauty and the mystique of this state and Yellowstone and the surrounding areas. What's the what's the net gain that you can see for them wanting to go back to this frontier-like trapping and hunting system? I think, and this ties back into like the history of trapping. It has been not just in Montana, but across the country, secreted for a long time. And they liked it that way. That's like I said, when I first started trying to get trap-free public lands before we formed our organization back in 2009, 2010, there was that ballot initiative attempt. People didn't know it went on. And then, and I think they liked it that way and the governing bodies, the agencies that protect them liked it that way because people are not going to stand for this. I mean, when you think what they can do to, say, a coyote, you know, or the means of how they kill these trapped animals, I mean, they step on them to smash them, um, they strangle them to death, they beat them with baseball bats, they can turn their dogs loose on a trapped coyote to tear it apart. This is not something they're going to put out there and say, you know what, this is all legal. And this is how we do it. So you have these smoke and mirrors and you'll see across the country, there's um, a, a, an orchestrated agenda. They use the same terminology. They'll talk about highly regulated or they support regulated trapping. <laughs> um, and, and they care about animal welfare. I, so I think that's where there's these smoke and mirrors. And the more we push and the more we expose, the more we push to obtain and the more we expose, the more hidden they're becoming, the less transparent they're becoming because the people will not put up with this. They won't. Hunters are known to shoot trapped animals. They're known to do that. That's illegal because once that animal's in a trap, unless it's your dog, but once it's in a trap, it belongs to the trapper. But that's hunters don't like trapping either. And it gives hunting a bad name. And trappers say, watch out, because if we go, you're going next. They're going to get you. And they create all this fear. They're grabbing at, you know, they're panicked because the day is is num the days are numbered. Um there's only Montana, you're right. I mean, we, we're known for our one our wildlife. Montana is the only state in the contiguous contiguous US that has a whole repertoire. We have all of them. We have all the, the large predators, and you know, we have the whole gamut. And people come here for that. That's what people even move here for our public lands and our wildlife. And now look at what we've become. You know, Montana's wildlife killing fields, that's what we're known as. There's only, there's less than 6,000 licensed trappers. Again, that just means they bought that trapping license, you know, in a state of a, a bit over a million people. They're a very small minority, but they have all the power 
They have all the power. Yeah, and you, you just touched on a, the next few questions I had, so I'll try and marry them, but, but just talk more about the current numbers. We don't need exact numbers, but more talk about the, the cultural significance, really how many people identify as trappers or active trappers, I guess. I, I was going to ask, does it fall into that category, you know, the fear? You, you give an inch, they'll take a mile. Once trapping goes, hunting's next, essentially. And so we have to keep this liberal approach uh, to keep trappers happy or or that's what's next or is it this quietly booming industry and I think you answered that in some way that it falls more into the the give an inch take a mile but does that really act as as the the total justification for why there is such a liberal approach to trapping I mean hunting has a list of regulations with with of course a few exceptions but how do we explain this liberal approach to trapping yeah Good question. I, I, I don't know, but I've been at this long enough that it's so evident. I mean, a good example was, um, what was it? Yeah, last legislative session, I can't remember. So every year they come up with the new season setting, right, for, for fur bears and wolves. And I yeah. don't recall now, I don't, I don't recall that it was this one. It wasn't. It must have been the previous year. The point is, they decided they were going to almost double the number of otter that could be killed. Hmm. River otter, you know, okay. and river otter are really important because they're they're indicators of the health of the of the waterways, right? Um, and it's like why? And there's always an ulterior motive. There's always it's never in the best interest of the animal. It's what are they trying to get out of this? Um, and in their in their defense of why are they doing this? They said, well, we met with the trappers and the trappers want to. Hmm. And some of the trappers were trapping otter that quickly. They said, that's a sign there's enough otter so they can withstand this. I mean, it's time and again, time and again, the regulations are made by and for the trappers. Casey, when we're talking about numbers here too, because we we this was couple of episodes ago, I think we were talking about game numbers uh, and and just how out of, Stephen, remind me the word, I can't remember the word, the population of elk is above... Um, objective? Over-objective, thank you. So elk, over-objective, wildly, yeah. wildly. You could, I mean, th- there's no issue there with the, with the population, the health of the herds, things of that sort. What's the right. determination of where they're drawing the line and saying ungulates can can boom populate all they want no problem and we're we're finitely managing to the detriment of the ecosystem to a degree and also to the 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 ecotourism that again you just said river otters again when i saw that in some of the 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 legislative stuff i was reading bobcats these foxes these coyotes and i go i just don't see I'm not seeing the correlation of why this is being managed here because the the elk numbers speak for themselves. And so why is there, again, I've asked this a couple of times to other guests, what's the disconnect of what is there, is there an aversion to there being a competitor on the landscape for this prey or is it more than that? I I think that's a big piece. I think that's a huge piece is the, um, you know, it reminds me of just the way the elk were before the wolves came along, especially in places like Yellowstone. You know, they were like cattle. Um, 
but what I find, and as, as far as the numbers, I think the last number I saw elk were, can't remember if it was 134,000 or 145,000. Yeah. That was a re- pretty recent count, like, you know, I think in 2022. Um, and management objectives are 90,000. And what's interesting is that's what we had when wolves were reintroduced. We had 90,000 elk. And they went all the way up to 172,000 estimated elk, probably about five, six, seven years ago. So, you know, it's hard because we can talk all the science and the numbers and it doesn't matter. That's, they, they have this agenda and listening to some of these legislators, last session, there was a woman talking about how enormous they are and I how grandiose, I don't, the way she embellished how big these wolves are and what they weigh. Yeah, we just posted a, a video from Carter Niemeyer where, you know, of course, for those right. who don't know, Carter was instrumental in the initial yeah. reintroductions in yeah. the lower 48. And he, he was working with folks from Alaska. And of course, Alaska has had wolves for north of 45,000 years. And they were commenting that the size of these wolves were no different than the ones yeah. that we already have here today. It's interesting, though, too, the same, if you ever, every now and then, especially, you know, um, if they hop on our page, which we don't tolerate very long, um, and they know that the the list that we banned is extremely long, but I always know we're getting under their skin when they start acting up. And um, so I check them out, like, who who is this person? And I've yet to not see on their page their trophy elk. <laughs> um, often there's black bear, there's lion, but it, you know, I had one guy one time and he said, Miss Shork, I'm just trying to feed my family. So I need that elk. And I said, nothing stopping you. Actually, the, the wolves are helping you get that elk because those are not the elk that they're targeting. And um, I then I got, and I said, but you know, you okay. Um, and then I looked at his page and the guy's got this RV that probably costs more than my house. He's not going out there and needs because he's got to feed his family <laughs> and those damn wolves. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's goes further. I think it's a generational mindset and, and it the same people that believe these myths and despise wolves and the only good coyote is a dead coyote, it's generational. Yeah, but also the numbers don't support that idea that there's been less success amongst elk hunters. Right. I mean, I'm, the, there's some units that are doing better. There's some units that are steady. I'm sure there's some units that are not seeing the same numbers for a multitude of reasons. But the evidence to really support that claim, it's just we, uh, we can't find it. I mean, I mean, those are everybody. And again, you're, you're another one that's just really confirmed what we've talked about with these biologists and scientists and, and the, and the Cardinemars of the world is that these elk are robust and healthy, probably the healthiest herds in the West, probably since the, the, the migrate, the, the, the frontier, you know, the frontier part of our, our yeah, culture. Some, some folks that are, that have filed lawsuits against the state of Montana, call them crisis levels, Yeah, um, which is a bad thing. It is a bad right. thing. And I mean, we've talked, and how many times have we talked about CWD not even creeping its way into the West? It's here. It's here. And the, the elk and, and, the, and the ranchers and the livestock owners who are, are responsible 
in the way that they they manage their their herds and things like that are having to get money because the elk are the ones coming on their land and eating the feed for their yeah. animals. So now you have a reverse problem. Yeah, that's what the lawsuit. Where about, by the way, is, yeah, that's what the lawsuit. It's yeah. So now you you have a double edged problem where you have, uh, if you're the state of Montana, I'm saying that you are you're you're doing all this for predators and other fur bears and and all these other animals that you're you're, you're mismanaging the trapping and all the other stuff you're doing on that side, and then you can't manage the ungulates. And the ungulates are impacting your ranchers and livestock owners who are trying to be responsible in the way that they're doing things. It, it, I just don't, like Stephen said, just trying to figure out the, 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 the way that they're pitching this in that everything's okay and that we can continue to follow down this, this path. I mean, what did you find out, Casey, because the, the, the legislative session you went to, I think, was a week or two ago. It was very recent. Yeah. I mean, what were some of the things you were you were hearing out of that session that that struck you? Um, well, if I may, I wanted to make a comment on what you were saying about the um, that those numbers. So, with the elk, the way they handle that problem now of the elk going on their the land and eating the hay is they have shoulder seasons. Elk are now hunted like what at least six months out of the year. And instead of allowing the wolves to try to help with that number, and, and one bill I testified on, I, I know when I counted them up, we were so slammed in the last legislative session in 2021, I counted it up and I testified 19 times. And where and it was very stressful, it was very hard because you were told you have two minutes. And then when you'd go to testify someone, I'd say, you know what, make that one. <laughs> And they, a lot of them were rude. They didn't want to hear from us. The outpour was fantastic, but it was really very, very tough. But at one point I said, if you're going to be killing wolves to try to protect elk or under this argument, you're protecting elk, then how about you don't kill wolves where elk are over management objectives? You know, you can't, it's, you know, um, or, and it's especially where you have CWD because there are allies in CWD, but, you know, again, they don't, you know, it's lip service to them. They don't want to hear this. They have an agenda. Now, fast forward, um, the legislative session just started, what, two weeks ago, and you'll hear a common denominator. Um, they'll say, this is a cleanup bill. And what it is, it appears, strongly appears, it's to close any loopholes that might interfere with them killing more predators. The war goes beyond being on wolves. It's, it's on the predators and it's on privatizing our wildlife, seizing control. We only have only one third of Montana is public lands. We're a huge wow. state and only one third. And, and then they lock it off. You can't get to it and they're buying things up. Um, it's it's follow the money. It's, a lot of it is about follow the money. So the bills that happened most recently, one is to change um, from a paper tag that you have to put on the carcass to doing using your phone. Well, how many hunters are out there with a phone? Or if they are, again, Montana, <laughs> we don't have cell service a lot of places, right? Um, for us, we are we're we're pretty jaded 
from from what they've pulled and how some of them they come across trying to make it sound so innocent in these bills and the language and they're not wolves can be killed in montana and left to rot so now you don't have to put a tag on it because you only you need the tag when you turn them in it felt like another means to enable poaching to make poaching easier and poaching is alive and well in our state and they they know it there's only back on the other question of those active not active trappers the ones that buy a license i think it's 5500 to 6000 it's probably a dozen who are successful wolf trappers but they can they can what's called party trap so if you're good at it and you can get your 10 I want to put my my as a wolf wannabe killer. Um, I want to put my tag, my ID tag on on some of your traps, so you can keep doing this. That's what happened with Governor Gianforte. He didn't trap that wolf. We were told there were five different trappers tags on that trap for Max out of Yellowstone. You can't do that with a with a hunting tag. You can't just give your your tags to other people. I mean, I don't understand why. This practice is being treated with such indifference. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I know, I know. I don't know what's driving it. I have, I have my suspicions, but yeah. So, so I, my formal education is in psychology and in wildlife biology, and so they kind of, you know, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get into your head because I can't, I can't fathom how you could take pleasure in doing this. I mean, think about like when they're trapping wolves. First of all, you can pre-bait. So animals are very habitual, right? So you can get them used to, hey, come and eat, come and eat. And they do this, not yeah. just with wolves, but with they can do this with all the animals that they trap. Get them accustomed to that. Put up your cameras. You don't even have to put up your cameras, but they do that because it makes it easier. And then you set your traps and they're baited, right? And they're secreted. Nobody knows where they are. They'll put snares along their travel paths. They'll put them near their dens, their burrows. They'll use attractants for them. They'll take advantage, like when a when a bitch is in heat, right? That urine. Um, then they go ahead and, you know, see on their camera or whatever, go on in there. Um, wolves are the only ones that have to be killed by gunshot unless they were snared. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying with camera, are you saying that you can use a live feed camera? Yeah, sure. A live feed camera. Yeah. I just, I, I'm, I'm so confused because there's no way that trappers are bringing more money into, you know, like the, there's no way that they're bringing more money into the state than hunters. So I, I'm I very In frustratingly fact, confused about the preferential treatment. I don't understand. You bring up a good point, Stephen. They're not bringing any money into the state. Think about it this way. If you've got, we'll even give them credit at 6,000 that are buying, you know, traffic licenses um, at $28 a pop. That doesn't begin to cover the fur bearer division salaries and benefits. So what's happening, it's the hunters and anglers that are paying for all that. Nothing. And I don't right. think a lot of hunters realize that because they bring I'm in hundreds of, confused. they pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
So, so why are why aren't the I'm confused. Are, are the yeah. I've never actually been more confused I know. than I am right now on this podcast. I've I've been more confused in life about something, but never on in the 120 episodes does something make less sense to me than this. So no, it doesn't. Well, what what where 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 do the hunters and anglers sit on this though? Casey? Yeah, what are they saying? And are there are there hunter groups like? You know, some of these hunting conservation groups, are they saying anything about this? You know, um, uh, what's interesting is yeah, some of them definitely are. Montana Wildlife Federation was one of the um, best allies in 2021 when all these atrocious kill wolves, you know, use hounds on bears, um, all that came out. I mean, I think they they don't like it. I, you know, an ethical hunter, it, trapping violates ethic, ethical hunting. You don't know your target. There's no quick clean kill. Right. It commercializes the wildlife. Um, and it doesn't pay for anything. Exactly. Really. And it doesn't pay for anything, but it pays for them. They make money. The trappers make money off of it. I would like to know how much revenue the state gets. That's on my list of things to do. You mean selling fur? I mean, is that still the majority of the incentive to to tra I mean to trap? I guess to people's is, is is the fur industry still the fur the fur industry has gone steadily downhill. Thank goodness. Um, and part of it, the major purchasers are China and Russia. So between COVID and then Russia with Ukraine, you know all those. So and in an enlightened public saying. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't support this, but, you know, like last, um, last year, somebody still got that thousand dollar Bobcat. So that, what is that? The, it was in, you know, in the sale of the fur in. Oh, I see. They, they, they got that one Bobcat that had the hide that. They got that one for a thousand dollars. Now their prices, their prices on Bobcat has dropped with everything else. Like coyotes are way down. Um, and but but bobcat can still go between 200 and 300 dollars trappers say though the number one reason they do it is for fun they like the fun so a trapper once um talked with me at length about you know figuring out where that animal is and you know looking for the sign and then trying to get them to step right where you need them to step the whole bit and how exciting that is. And I said, I love watching wildlife. I love being quiet and looking and listening and finding them and looking for their sign. And so right, you can relate to that part, but I don't kill them. <laughs> you can do that and not hurt them and not torture them. And you're not eating them. This isn't for food. Right. That's very different. Um, it's not. I mean, Casey, have, have these... Have you tried to, uh, I'm sure you have, has it ever come up in conversation about having these individuals who clearly can track these animals very well? Why not turn it into an experience, not killing it, a, a tour experience or, or bringing groups out with you exponentially? I, I would imagine, again, I'm not an economist. I don't know what it would cost or what, the, what it would be. Has there ever been a conversation to try and flip that and say, "Come with me on a on a nature on a on a guided tour or you know on a on a tracking tour or whatever it is, and I'll show you these awesome animals 
in, in a way you'll never see them. Mm-hmm. Not, not obviously not to trap them, not to kill them, but to just view them. Has that ever come up? Has that ever been a, a pitch? Um, I think it's a great idea. It brings to mind the county I live in. So I'm, I'm in the Bitterroot, which is pretty red. It's a beautiful place. We've got mountains on either side of us. When you're skiing, you can be skiing in Montana or Idaho where that little peninsula that comes down from the state. And years ago, they declared some kind of, you know, predator killing policy, <laughs> including wolves. And I, the um, county did. And I remember being at the hearing and, and I said, all these people are going to Yellowstone to see wolves. Imagine if you did that, instead of killing them, if you, this is why people come to Montana for our wildlife. And, you know, I, I might as well have been, you know, standing up there, you know, naked, you know, half crazed. It was um, now maybe one-on-one to be able to say that, but you have to also be very careful because we have that going on in places outside of Yellowstone where the same outfitter that takes you on the great horseback riding trip to see the wildlife and the wolves is the one selling them, you know, taking you to kill them during the wolf season. So you have to be extremely careful. And also who's along on the ride? I mean, breaks my heart like this wolf 1229. I hate numbers. So I think I purposefully don't remember them that was trapped last um, last week. Um, what, on the 13th out of, in Yellowstone. You know, she didn't, she didn't know. She didn't know, you know, and I can, can just imagine when that trapper went up to her in that trap and she was used to seeing people she was used to them and and what she must have felt and he could have released her and i'll tell you why because she was collared same thing with max um the yellowstone wolf that governor gianaforte illegally killed he was collared. So in Montana, you can release a collared wolf as long as it's not injured. But do they? Never heard of it. It's their prize. It's their Cecil the lion. You know. Um, but the other, um, I wanted to tell you because I'm I'm kind of doing <laughs> going off on my tangents. I could talk trapping That's, until the cows come home. You're so, good. You're but good. I did want to say a, a more important bill that um, came up, and it relates to our lawsuit. One of our lawsuits we're involved now in four, um, and it was on the aerial hunting. And again, they said it's a cleanup bill, and it's very simple, cut and dry. We're going to make sure drones are included. It's not cut and dry. You always have to get into the weeds of the the language and into the regulations. And they don't include non-game species, which is everything other than fur bearers and predators. You know, it's badger, it's raccoon, it's rabbits, it's (laughs) everything and wolves and wolves. So it doesn't include the prohibition on using drones, airplanes, helicopters to go after and kill these ant, kill them. So they're they're making it legal to use those types of ways to hunt these animals. 
they're making it legal. Well, or they're or they're what, what's the the federal law prohibits that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they wrote up this bill saying that they have to something something they use some kind of thing with the Forest Service and that they have to grant permits for someone, you know, to go in and use aerial because like they can they can aerial shoot coyotes for example, um, and but what they focused on during the hearing was they wanted to make sure drones were included. Well, under federal law, drones are already included, but but when you read the language and it said stuff like, you know, it's prohibited to use aircraft to chase, harass, gather, shoot. Um, it would say game species, first of all. And game in Montana are your elk, your deer, your mountain lion, your bear, that kind of thing. So it's like, well, what about everybody else? And then they would include fur bearers in a couple of the items, but not always. But nowhere in there did they include the prohibition of use aerial hunting of wolves. And that came up. They did not use that in that language. And then someone said, well, they're using drones also with infrared to spot these animals. So fair chase is just out the window. I mean, at that that point, you can't even get close to it, really. Right, right. I mean, you can't do that with a duck. And there's there's millions of ducks. (laughs) I I don't understand the whole the whole concept. I know. I know. I'm confusing you even more. Yeah, I'm really confused by it. I'm not going to lie. It is. I've never seen Stephen in a tailspin like this. There isn't logic to it. So that's one thing you got to just kind of like, it's illogical. Um, We focus more a lot more on how unethical and how cruel the suffering um, and that can you imagine if somebody did this to a dog? You know, what would happen? I mean, and these are canine species. You know, the dog originated from the wolf. Um, right. We love our dogs. Yeah. We love yeah. our dogs. And especially hunters. Hunters love their dogs, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And trappers hmm. say put them on a leash. Well, that's not, doesn't work out too well for a hunting dog. Or recently there was a search and rescue dog that got snared. Um, you know, dogs that go for a swim. Is that one of our that that might be one of our listener questions, John? So maybe a that, good time to ask. I was that. little. I was just gonna gonna tie this in, Casey, because um, uh, Canis underscore Nicholas, who's one of the uh, his name's Nick. He he follows us a lot. He he asks, you know, how can we hold trappers accountable when people's pets are caught in their traps? Is there anything in, in the in the in the in the bills, anything like that? Because we've seen, I've seen numerous graphs, numerous pictures of family pets there was just that 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 i think it was a i don't know if it was a wolf dog or it was a dog that was that had a vest on walking next to its family was shot right. because the hunter thought it was a coyote mm. what's the what are the is there anything to hold people accountable or it's just it's just the nature of the beast you know that's that's another thing um <laughs> when we talk about the many wrongs with trapping so when a trapper, whether that trapper catches a mountain lion, a bald eagle, golden eagle, they're actually, bald eagles are doing better than golden eagles right now. Not that that matters, but, um, or a dog, he has no responsibility other than to call it in within 24 hours. So with the dog, he can just let it go, not look at the tag 
and say, oh, I'm going to let these people know, or I'm going to take it to the shelter or to animal control. He can just turn that dog loose, even if that dog can't get up and go anywhere. And that's happened too. There's been people who they said the trapper knew that was my dog and never got a hold of me. The dog eventually made it home. One in particular, I think about and died later on. Because again, there's no trap check. So how long are they out there exposed to these elements? The trap check applies to wolves for 48 hour visual check and for bobcat in lynx protection zones. Otherwise, and who knows if they're enforcing that. So yeah, there's no, as long as that trap was set, quote, legally, there's no consequences, no repercussions. I mean, the cost of these animals, we help pay for the vet bills whether it's, you know, for a, um, if it was for an eagle or if it's for a dog, we'll, we'll help. We're monitoring one right now. I cringe this time of year in Montana. There's so many lost pets. And this is the worst time of the year. And a lot just happened on New Year's, the damn fireworks. Dogs got scared and ran off. Mm. And I just got one. Um, sh this woman was begging. She had a Two dogs, one came home, the other one didn't. And I tell them, you need to get out there and you need to call the department. The trapper is required to report again um, and see if a dog was reported. Well, the dog did come home, but we don't know yet if it's going to lose his foot. He was um, he was missing 48 hours. And he's a big dog, which is his favor, but you can see the bruise across his foot. So in a period of... Um, three recent years, over a hundred dogs were reported trapped in Montana. And those are just the ones that make it on the reports. Not all of them do. Not, of them, not all of them make it home. And all, and the owners are responsible for vet bill. I mean, just whatever. Yeah. You talk about holding us hostage to safe use of our public land. There's no warning signs. There's no posting required. And the trap... Yeah, and the trap setback, so the distance they have to put a trap from a trail from a trail. trailhead is only for roads designated with signage or marked numbered. And how far is that off the well it's it's 50 foot, but for wolves it's 150 foot. Um and then there's also exceptions. Again, there's always these loopholes. For trails or for, for roads that are closed year round, they said no setbacks. And those are the roads that people like to use in the wintertime. They like to go out there and let their dogs run, cross-country ski, their kids. Those traps, hmm. baited, secreted, can be right on those roads. And you were asking what kind of traps. So leg hold or foot foothold, they use the term interchangeably. Um the ones for wolves are monstrous. They're nine inches across. And they were heavy. They're very heavy. And I'm not heavy enough to stand on the jaws to compress them to get it open. And if you did that, I assume that would fall under hunter harassment. It would be, yeah, it would be illegal. It would be tampering with the trap unless my dog is in it or my friend's dog is in it or something like that. Yeah, then it's okay. Um, the, other, the other one are the snares. And I can't recall how many, I want to say it's 200 they can put in a five-gallon bucket. And snares are a wire cable. Um, and it, it's just, they, they're designed to choke the animal to death. 
and they're cheap. They cost a couple bucks. Where say the wolf trap maybe is fifty, seventy-five dollars. The trap they use for wolves, yeah, you got a snare for two dollars, and you're gonna yeah. So and they're lightweight. If you have fifty miles of trap, of right, traps, and yeah. they're lightweight, so you can carry that whole bucket, and you can saturate an area. They saturate the area with these snares. They baited it. They've got their. They might have some footholds out there as well, and then. They have their cameras up and they know. And then they do another thing. They have a Judas wolf that they leave trapped. So, and if they're illegal. I've heard of that, yeah. And nobody knows they're watching because you're supposed to kill a trapped wolf immediately. Well, Gianna Forte didn't. We know that. Um, he didn't get in trouble for that either. So that that wolf, they, they're just capitalizing on the fact of how loyal and devoted wolves are and the other wolves will come in to that trapped wolf and then they'll get snared now if you shoot wolves as that in there's blood they like the snares better because of the blood that could keep everybody away for for a bit and they wouldn't heaven forbid want that to happen um the other trap is called a cona bear and it's um it's a body crushing trap and it was designed for um in response to the cruelty that trapping causes. It was designed to be a quick kill. So it crushes the animal, but it, you know, their head. It's quicker. Well, I can't, um, I don't recall how long to, to meet. There's a thing, I won't even go in, into that. There's supposed to be a standard to reduce the amount of suffering, <laughs> but um, I think it's, it's certainly quicker. Maybe, maybe then a snare. Um, I mean, none of it's pretty. If you ever watch any of them, if you can stomach it. I'm looking have, at a picture of, of yeah. it now on a, on a pit bull. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the head, probably there's a dobra. So, I see. There. So it's kind of, it's similar to like a massive mouse trap, where like a mouse trap has that bar that comes down on the neck. Right. And this, this has two, right. It's, it's two compressions that way. And they'll, yeah. Um, and it can be like the big one, the 330 is 10 by 10. And that's often for beaver. But if it's in water and only one third of it has to be submerged in water in Montana for it to be legal, your dog goes in there for a swim to retrieve a duck. He's a hunting dog. He's gone. I mean, we teach how to release traps, but your chances are slim to none there's been a couple couple of cases that i've heard of where they got their dog out of the conover there's there was a case about you know people laying down right next to their dog as they wince taking their last breath um tra it's trapping is just inhumane there's no if ands or buts about it it's cruel and inhumane and it's going to go it's going to go in our lifetime because people are not going to put up with this with the how indiscriminate it is and the suffering it causes. And it's not necessary. They don't need to do this. They don't need to do it for food. They don't need to do it for livestock protection or for fur. Um, they don't need to do it to boast, you know, um, these populations, which, you know, that they want. Um, Gosh, I don't, know when I don't know how Stephen's looking at that. Yeah, probably don't. I've seen more <laughs> than any anybody should in a lifetime for their mental health that's for sure but i feel like sometimes i have to see it sometimes i have to share yeah. it to give testimony to that animal that they mattered um 
And I don't know how anybody can do that. I don't know how they can walk up to an animal. And if you look at some of those pictures and, you know, they're at your mercy and then do that to them because you want to, not because you need to, not like, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, <laughs> but this is something I have to do. It's, it's what they want to do. And I remember um, he's a very well-known trapper. And he said, I can tell when that bobcat is dead, when it stops squiggling underneath my weight. And it made, it just made me sick. Um, and they don't, you know, we have some reform trappers on that are our supporters. Um, Carter Niemeyer is like a mentor to me. Um, he's my mentor in many ways. And every now and then I think once they trap a dog, and some of them, that's what it took. They were done. Many of them, I mean, you can listen. It's on a hearing from last session. There was a bill to try to do a study. How do we stop all these dog trappings? And the trappers killed it very quickly. And they referred to, you know, when you get out there and you're after Bobcat, you find that damn dog in your trap. That was their response. And this was, you know, during a hearing where there were people there whose dogs, hunting dogs, had been killed by, you know, running through a snare. There's a power snare, so it's spring activated. So you, when we tell people to carry a cable cutter, it's too loose, too late. That cable cutter, <laughs> you're not going to just be able to go up there. It's quick. It's like like being hung. What about people? What about people? There's no, there's no, there's not, not any cases of people accidentally stepping on traps. Right? There, um, well, I don't know about stepping. There was, um, there was a a child whose arm was broken in a conibear in the water, not in Montana, um, and in this sounds sounds very discriminatory, but I don't mean it that way, but I couldn't help myself. Looking at the child, the child looked like they were um, maybe, I don't know if they were, um, they had like dark Afro hair, it was a boy. Um, I don't know if he was um, of color, but I thought if this was a cute little girl, cute little white girl, I'm sorry, but the outrage of that happening. But even that, even that has no automatic regulation based or or no, no. penalty. For and that we've matter. and we've come close. We had a case um, years ago in the Bitterroot, a popular place people go for Christmas trees, and um, all of a sudden, you know, kids don't miss anything, right? And they saw this thing hanging from a tree, and it was a a CD, you know, flashing. No, and and so they ran over to see what it was, and the dog got there first. And there was a trap, because they hang those to attract bobcat. Bobcat are very curious, and so that's a sign when there's bobcat trapping. Now this family, the dog was okay. You know, I mean, the dog wasn't severely injured. I can't say they're okay because they're traumatized. The the screams from these dogs is are universal unless they're snared and you don't hear them because they're being strangled. Um, but for those children going out to get the Christmas tree, going out to cut a Christmas tree, what an experience. They'll never forget. Anybody whose dog has ever been trapped will never, ever forget that. And it would be, this, it would be the same if you saw an animal get, sh a kid saw an animal get shot feet in front of him, but you're encouraged hunting not to do that near people. Yeah. And it's just wild right. that this is like kids are just walking by these things 
it's a very it's it, again it's very it's very confusingly preferential lopsided i don't i don't understand the I don't get it. Right, right. I mean, like when you're, when, you know, hunting season, you wear orange, right? <laughs> right. Mean, you know, when you're going out to avoid bears or camping, you know where to put your gear. You know, it's not real safe. You don't run. You carry bear spray. You don't know where these traps and snares are. Nobody does. And there's no limit. That is weird. And trapping is ye legal year round in our state, year round. So sometimes one gal ran into this trapper and he said, she's like, you're, you're trapping. It's not, it's not even, is the fur even any good now? And he goes, ah, it's just something to do. What do you think as a person who has a background in psychology, what do you think is so different psychologically about trapping and hunting? Uh, and maybe I'm asking you for me, like why, why when I hear this and why do I hear, why when I hear this, do I feel so uncomfortable? But hunting with the intention of procuring food just feels different, uh, excluding some some fringe group hunting activities, of course. But why do these things feel so psychologically different in different worlds? But the result is is not so different. I th I think people are accepting of hunting, and it doesn't make them sick to their stomach, in general providing it's done in an ethical way. Yeah, and I assume f for food helps a lot psychologically. And for food, yeah, yeah. And you're not out trophy hunting and, and stuff like that. And you're you're in it to try to, right. um, you know, keep that herd healthy and put some food on your table, that kind of thing. And you're not, you know, you're going for a, a quick clean shot and you're not baiting and, and things like that. So trapping is all the opposite of that. and. And the suffering. I mean, a hunter, if you're out hunting and your buddy takes a bad shot, right? You're like, what did you, what are you doing? And then you track that animal to put them out of their suffering. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a, there's like a code, it seems like for hunters. And it doesn't seem as though that code is obviously, it doesn't go across to, to trapping. Yeah. An injured animal is a bad, is a notoriously bad thing. It seems for out, for hunters. Yeah. And, and even like the agencies, the wildlife agencies know this. So they're telling them, they actually have a whole brochure um, saying, don't be posting these pictures, these trapping pictures. Don't be showing this. <laughs> it's like, well, there's your sign, right? Because you're showing the suffering. They love to take pictures of their animals trapped. You know, they love to do that and get their picture in there too often. Um, it's, I think what happens, and if you look, it's, again, it's generational. There aren't new people generally going out there and saying, yeah, I want to go and I want to herd animals because that's what trapping does. I, I, I you know, I want to go out there and torture them. Is that true? There's not a lot of like young recruitment? No. And I think that's part of why they have this trapper education because they're trying to recruit trappers, trying to recruit them. And like, you can't just say, well, I want to go trapping wolves. You have to do this class unless you have those three licenses, like I said, but they want to recruit them. And, but if you look, it's generational. You can see it. You can see these trappers carrying their babies on their backpack while they're trapping. I've got pictures of children cuddling with the dead animal or, you know, getting ready with the baseball bat to, to, to beat the, you know, and make mom and dad proud. I mean, that's what we want as, as little kids, our world, our, our parents' approval. That is number one. That's paramount. You have to have that for survival. You have to have your parents 
for survival. And so, and then, you know, if your parents telling you, hey, this good job and yeah, look what you can do and shoot them right there, you know, um, there's, it's, it's this whole thing. And so it continues, it continues. Um, there was recently, and I found, I haven't shared it, but there's a video of somebody and he talks and they, it's so twisted to me because it's certainly not the God that I believe in, but about this is, this is a God, this is, you know, having dominion and, and serving for God. And these are God's creatures that we have to take care of this way. Cause we just, we, I mean, Kirk Robinson, who we talk with this, I don't know, a couple of, couple of uh, recordings ago, he went into the whole, you know, really the, the thought about religious and social and how a lot of these feelings and these practices really stem from where these individuals are coming from. He was talking about the Mormons and the, and the Mormon religion and how it's perceived by what they're, they're expected to do, I think, for, uh, I, I think, uh, if I get it wrong, I apologize. Yeah, that... That might explain things that that it has some kind of that it has a religious significance. I don't that know if that's be, it. Yeah, but uh, I'm making the correlation. Yeah, but that, it would that would be interesting to know if that plays into this in any way, and that's why the answer isn't isn't obvious. You no, know, it wasn't. There was a day, a time when they would operate on animals or experiment, I should say, on animals without anesthesia, and they said animals are machines, and so when you're hearing the squeals and the screams it's like cogs on a wheel and that that mindset to me is still alive that you can do this and deny deny the suffering you're causing and they'll show you paws you know the animal's paw and say see it's fine the x-rays show that paw is not fine and when you leave an animal for beyond 24 hours their chances of survival are very very slim the longer they're in there so when they release them and say, because they have to, right? If they trap a mountain lion, you can't trap mountain lions in Montana, although they trap lots of them um, because they're big and probably going after the same bait as a wolf. That mountain lion, first of all, you've injured his paw and they need those paws to hunt. Um, and after even 48 hours, that paw could likely fall off. They suffer from frostbite. The injuries shown, the dislocations, the you know, the damaged teeth because they bite at it. Um, so one thing though, because I know um, we're probably we're getting close. It looks like, but I did want to tell you back on the legislature, and this keeps coming up, and it's going to come up and again. Um, Paul, Representative Paul Fielder, you know, <laughs> most people know who he is after the 2021 and all the horrendous bills. Um, he was actually a trapper in Washington, which is much more restrictive. So he moved to Montana where he could, you know, have a free for all. And um, he's going to try again to get a constitutional amendment to protect trapping forevermore in our state. And um, he did it, he tried it last session. And what it, the bill, the constitutional amendment would enshrine into our constitution, the preferred method to manage wildlife. 
would be through hunting and trapping. trapping and to the preferred method to manage wildlife, not to use non-lethal coexistence, you know, anything else. The preferred method to manage wildlife would be through hunting and trapping and using all the existing current legal means. So that's your um, killing contests. That's your, you're able to run over coyotes with snowmobiles. They call it coyote whacking. That's the snaring. That's, you name it, you know, and, and to make that and, and to put that in our constitution. So luckily it died, but it, he's got it on hold. We haven't seen the language yet, um, but it's, it's in the waiting. I'm sure that's something that's just waiting to, like you said, coming to for the correct time, the correct amount of votes that they know they might have to get that, whatever it is passed. I want to touch on what you were saying. Cause I'm, I knew you guys had a graph on your Instagram, what's the reported incidental captures from wolf traps from 2018 to 2020. And domestic dogs were 47% and mountain lions were 40%. So yeah, those are the two that incident incidental meaning that it's not the trap obviously is not meant for domesticated dogs or mountain lions, but those are the ones that get in those traps. So just, just to put context on what Casey's saying there, but it's years, um, a few years back, actually some houndsmen. So these are guys that use hounds to hunt mountain lions, got a hold of me um, and said, you got to come take a look at this. And it was in the Bitterroot and I went and it was a mountain lion paw and it was in a trap, a leg hold, foothold trap. And I immediately identified it. I said, that's an MB 750. That was set for wolves. And they had found it around this tree that was torn up. So, you know, cats, they're going to go up in a tree, right? That's their safety. When they're chased or whatever, they're going to go up in the tree. And that's what that poor mountain lion did until it eventually tore off his or her paw. And that the mountain lion, to the best of my knowledge, was never found again. Um, the houndsman that took it into Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, the paw, and showed it to them in the trap, was, my understanding, was in trouble, according to them. And the trapper got his trap back and he still traps. So yeah, it's it's so screwed up and it's the main thing is people don't know. That's why we have our billboards to educate the public, to get them to see stuff like that. The one we have of the trapped and dying wolf. Trappers told me, oh, wolf's fine. Wolf can eat snow. Um, we have to show people what's going on. And so they go, oh, no, we're better than this. Because they are better than this. Our wildlife, our dogs, our animals are better than this. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I have totally depressed you, I can tell. No. <laughs> Sorry. This is why I dance. I'm just confused. Um, like, how is, well, I guess it's the intentional part, right? That's the, just. it's like, how is this very, very different like killing, injuring an animal out of season or an animal that's that you cannot kill using a certain method. How is it different than poaching? But but I guess they'd make the justification that it's the intentionality, right? It's like, well, if you kill something intentionally out of season, it's poaching. If you accidentally kill something using a legal method, it isn't poaching. But in the end, the results exactly the same, right? Public, the public losing wildlife unnecessarily that hasn't been paid for 
and isn't going to be consumed. Um, that's tough. That's that's tough for me to figure that I know. one out. No, but what you yeah. I like the way you put that together. Yeah, the end result's the same. I mean, they used to have a thing called set guns, right? Where they would set these guns up with a trip wire. And I don't remember if they used bait or not. So any animal that came along would be shot. And that's illegal. Well, what's the difference just, now yeah. with trapping? These are unattended baited traps and out there, secreted. It's it's just like you were planning. It's like it, I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off, Casey. It's almost like when they when they had those fields in World War II, and they were literally just planting mines. I mean, it was obviously for no disregard for human life at that point, because you're trying to win a war, and the human cost was the human cost, you know, to whoever it was. But there were fields that were closed for decades because they had to literally go through. And because, you know, obviously once the world was right after that, you have to pick up all of those mines and so all of those traps so nobody gets hurt. Yeah. So nobody blows themselves to, to blow themselves to kingdom come because of the, the, what was happening in the years prior. And it, it really, uh, that's how I guess I just correlated this is because we're, we're setting traps out there for no intended per there's an intended purpose in the trapper's mind, but the consequences are infinite because anything can get in there. Intended purpose is also like a light term, right? Because every predator right. eats the same Pretty stuff. much. I've said um, there's no no such thing as wolf trapping because they're so indiscriminate. Um, it's interesting because we just filed a lawsuit um, on how unregulated um, predatory you know, predator control is through the wildlife services and it's a whole, you know, Department of Agriculture is a um, is listed, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And it's about how to really protect grizzlies. And are they, are they yeah. being protected as they're supposed to be under the ESA? And how are they not? That's the... That's the federal wildlife killing program, right? right. Okay. We just fought suit yesterday. It seems <laughs> we hit the ground running for January. Yesterday or the day before, I can't remember. I think it was the 18th, yeah. Um, like and then they it it was impeccable timing. It came out all these grizzlies with missing digits, missing fingers, claws. From again, remember we talked about the conibear trap. So they're putting their hand in these traps to get the bait on the other side. Cause what they'll do is they'll put that trap. There might be a box on the other side. If it's up high, it doesn't have to be a box, but the bait on the other side. So when the animal goes through, they're smashed. So they found after a decade of trying to figure out why are we finding all these grizzlies and they need those too. They need them to dig. Right. So yeah, it's such a mess that when I get overwhelmed, I also look at the other side of it that it's so bad it's got to get better it's got to stop and i think there has, there has i think we'll, we'll see side. it i hope i live long enough but <laughs> to see it but i think we'll see it on the on the federal wildlife killing the other thing i wanted to touch on too casey because you traffic montana along with suzanne asha stone and uh Kristen combs and all these other places you guys are also giving an NOI, a notice of intent to sue the federal government to because we're still, we're now in 2023. We're well past the year mark for the wolf uh, study that was supposed to come out to tell 
okay, are we federally relisting wolves all across the United States? So it was like, I think it was bang, bang. I think it was the Federal Wildlife Killing Program that you guys were a part of, and then the the NOI came out roughly around the same time. So it was, I think you said you're part of four different things. Yeah, it was on the 18th. You're right. I was just going to say, yeah, they received, if on the, on the docket, if you look, they received over 168,000 comments uh, regarding the petition to relist wolves. Um, and they were supposed to have that decision, I believe, in July. So time's up. Uh, meanwhile, wolves are being killed. They're stepping up. You know, they're looking. There's three petitions out there to delist grizzlies. Like, yeah, we have a bill in the Montana legislature to regulate um, or manage grizzlies at sustainable levels. Same thing we heard about wolves. We're going to manage them at sustainable levels. <laughs> Just don't let them go on the ESA. You know, slaughter them down to that point through all kinds of unethical on unethical means, you know, bounties and baiting, shooting over bait, all that stuff. So yeah, I don't, you know, I hope it'll push them. I hope it'll push them. And then the yeah. other one I started to mention is the, the, we were the first ones actually with Wolves of the Rockies to litigate. Um, and in that was because they changed the regs. You were talking about regs. They changed the regs without notifying the public or public participation, which is in violation of our constitution. And they removed the prohibition in the regs of aerial shooting and spotting of wolves. And they also added in the use of infrared and thermal for night hunting. I mean, it's like recon. When we say there's a war on wolves, it might as well be. I mean, again, I'm, I'm conflicted with the mindset because presumably a lot of these folks that are making these pro-trapping decisions are the same groups and individuals that are that are not for wolf reintroduction. And, and, and one concern that is put up often as it relates to the Colorado vote, just for example, is that we should be against wildlife-related decisions that are not made directly by biologists. Um, and that's a whole nother story, of course, with the, the problem for team. But but then we are making decisions with huge implications to wildlife and public lands without any science involved or, or scientists involved. And another two points that are, are coming up for me now that are that are put up often as anti-wolf points are that wolves kill indiscriminately and they kill dogs um, and that that's a good reason to be against their recovery. And yet, you know, it seems people are in support of an activity which does a lot of, which causes a lot of indiscriminate killing and, and killing of dogs. So I'm, I'm just confused by the, the irony. I don't think the people are in support of it. Right. It's not the average person. No, I don't, I don't think they are. Um, it's, you know, just like how we testified in 2021. And I mean, it was so exciting because I've been testifying for years. Our session comes up every couple of years and sometimes it was one or two of us. Sometimes it was me. Um, if I recall, maybe not, maybe not to that extent. I'm trying to remember, but my point is they came out, oh my gosh, you know, it, it was tremendous to see all of that. And, but it doesn't matter. It's who's in charge. It's who is voted into the power. And even the, it seemed like a very benign, simple bill. Oh, we have seven districts. We need seven commissioners. Oh, that makes sense. Not when your governor is appointing all those seven. 
So the seven that we have now, the seven wildlife commissioners, they're ranchers, they're outfitters. <laughs> there's no biologists. There's no non-consumptive users. There's no indigenous people on there. We created a trapping report card and opposing trapping is bipartisan. I know that from all of our supporters. Okay. But not in the legislature. And you can look at it, um, Trap Free Montana Public Lands website, and it shows it, they just voted party line. I mean, we have right now over 4,000 bills in the legislature. So it makes it easy for them. Just just vote this way. We tell you how to vote, you know, it's easy. Just, you know, I vote for you. You vote for me when it comes to that, you know, a little bit. I mean, Casey, how do you how do you going forward or how what what's the path forward? I was going to say, I think that's really Steve's I question. Think, I think right? it's really a question. And I, listen, I know it's I know it's like it. I say that as yeah. like a, as a simple question it's and I know it's not simple. But what's the path if we have this, if we have ethical hunters that disagree, we have the public that that disagrees. We have the majority, I think, of the populace that disagree with the way, and this, and this is tailored specifically, I think, to trapping is what I'm trying to say, not necessarily all the other stuff we've been talking about. What's the way, and I, and I know I, I've spoken to Wolves of the Rockies, I've spoken to everybody, and it's always vote and, and get these. What's the call in order to help change the legislative body if, you know, can there be enough of an uproar where it's the, these individuals are not, if it's a detrimental legislation to the mm -hmm. state, to the people of the state of Montana, what's the path forward? Oh, I, for me, again, I'd want to understand, and I don't know how I would go about that, but it would be interesting to find out how come you voted these people in? Um, beyond, you know, everybody, people make an assumption that I'm a Democrat. They make a lot of assumptions about me. I'm unaffiliated. I want to know what your position is. That's what I want to know. Um, where do you stand on issues? So one of the ways I can answer that is we're telling people that, and I don't know that there are supporters, so maybe it's <laughs> kind of pointless, but you need, and even if they're, yeah, you need to contact your legislator. So I guess it does matter if there are supporters. Right. I was they thinking our supporters probably didn't vote a lot of these people in, but you need to contact them and let them know you're a constituent and always be respectful. Um, and let the, that they have got exactly. to, or you're going to vote them out. They're not going to get elected again, and that you demand respectful, ethical, science-based wildlife management and safe use of our public lands. If 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 you go that far to put that in there, yeah, I think that's a huge piece. Um, and spending your money wisely, finding out. I mean, money talks. Finding out what businesses support are pro predator and which are not, and let them know. Well, then I'm not doing business with you. For us, we're taking a multifaceted approach. Our websites are getting redone, working on different relationships. We've got the billboards. We'll have more billboards. Um, we're litigating because we're not being heard. So it's like, okay, we're going to go to the courts because this is not this is not right. We're going to go to court. Yeah. What's the best way that people can help Trap Free Montana? Because you again, 
it's this multi multifaceted approach. There's billboards, there's legislation, things like that. Wolves of the Rockies, we always try to help support. So what's what's the thing that you can ask people to help you guys out? What's the best way? Go to the website. What what's the deal? Um, well, I, I'm excited about our website, but I mean our websites are from 2000, I think, 15. <laughs> we have two of them, so they're a little outdated, but they're packed with information. Some of it's needs to be updated. Um, and so it's a work in progress for combining the websites and making it clear, easier to read. So that's probably not the best place for them to go because <laughs> like a what? Um, it's not even cell phone friendly. That's how dated it is. But if they email us, that is a big piece to, to email us. And there's so many ways people can help. So many ways, whether it's, you know, giving, um, making sharing photographs, wildlife photographs with us, whether it's they're developing a good rapport with their congressman and and talking about trapping. I would like to see trap-free public lands across the country. They're our public lands and we can't use them safely. And if wildlife doesn't have a place to go free of traps, I mean, that's their home. We're, you know, um, so there's kind of a long list. I, I can always use computer help. Um, we, you know, um, social media things that we're not up to speed on. There's writers. We, we have a blog and we'll continue a blog. People that want to write something, we'd love to share that. Um, you know, I've, I've been get a guest speaker, um, presentations. We've got another project we're working on right now because it involves trapping. They decided um, they approved the trapping of all these bunnies in my town. I don't live in town, but in the town, because um, people were upset there's too many bunnies. <laughs> and since it involved trapping, we said, okay, we're going to work on it because we do non-lethal projects. So we will do the non-lethal projects. So yeah, there's so many ways that people can help us and it just furthers. But I think it's it's like spokes on a wheel, and if we can have those spokes, we're going to keep moving forward, and we're going to we're going to see more and more successes. And I never ask people to do something they don't want to do because this work is too hard. But there's always something they can do that they feel good about, and it helps us. Actually, I have two questions now that you just brought something <laughs> up there. Um, sorry, that's why I was doing. No, that's okay. Uh, okay. I keep on talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean. Let's say there's hunters out there listening to you right now and thinking, I don't support trapping, but I don't want to lose the hunting tradition. And they want to know, are you coming after us after this? And I know it's a hard question, but how do you feel about that fear um, that, that I'm sure a lot of people have? And maybe if that fear could be softened, they'd get on board with this. So, I mean, how do you feel about that, that thought that I'm sure a lot of folks have? Yeah, that's what's kind of cool. But you, um, you're. I should start taking notes <laughs> from what you guys are asking. Uh, you'll yeah, you'll always have that, you'll my long list of yeah, things yeah. to do. Um, we have. That's what I love about our organization. It's the one thing we all agree on. We oppose trapping. So we have ranchers, we have hikers, we have vegans, we have hunters. But but yeah, for for us to work on reducing that fear. Um, and and aligning more with hunters and and it's interesting like I said the houndsman called me houndsman right and I now have that relationship with them 
that they were they were really upset. And um, in fact, one of them wound up saying, you know, he doesn't hunt lions anymore. He likes to spot them and shoot them with a camera. Um, so yeah, I think um, just another another hunter had said he was going to walk into a Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting with me, and he's very well known. And I said, I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> I'm not very popular with the commission in particular. And he goes, I'd be proud to. So it's them, it's working together and them getting to know who we are. And, you know, I'll be straight up with you. I don't, you know, what you see is what you get. I'm not going to BS. And, and we really try to be factual. Here are the facts. They are. So I would love to see more hunters starting to speak up and go, you know, we agree. This is not okay. Would that do it, you think? Is that the missing piece? I think it would help tremendously because, um, you know, they kind of know what I'm going to say and they just, you know, count me. <laughs> <laughs> My last question is just a very practical question, especially as a dog owner. I, you know, I, I know the whole podcast, I'd be thinking, okay, t- just, just tell me how to freaking manage this since I spend a lot of time on public land. Is there any way that people can even attempt to identify areas where traps are to keep their dogs out of them? And if whether the answer to that's yes or no, if a dog gets caught into a trap, I mean, just describe for people how they release their dog from that trap. Okay. Um, we do have some pictures, what to watch for, and we'll have more because, and we ask people, when you spot something, send us that picture because then we'll warn the public too. And and trappers tend to go to the same place. I recently called a warden um, about some suspicious trapping that I heard about or concerning trapping, I guess is a better word, right near a ski area where all these people are going out there with their dogs. And he said he'd go check it out. He knows the trappers that use that area. Um, so yeah, and that is worth looking on our website because we do have we do have pictures. I have an album, I think, on our Facebook page with signs of trapping. Um, Things like I mentioned, that CD hanging, feathers hanging, that's for Bobcat, because like your cat, right? They like to play with feathers. Um, Snares are very hard to spot, you know, because it's a thin cable wire. Um, When there's diggings, they'll dig up things um the there's and to put the trap there because the animals will go and wonder what was dug there so they start digging there's a thing called a pee post so you kind of have to be observant like looking and going that looks odd what is (laughs) and the pee post is a post and and they'll put urine on it the lure on it um and it might just kind of be like just in a weird place it they're very very hard to spot they're really they're really hard to spot as far as we tell people carry cable cutters not a letterman a cable cutter you want blunt because you don't want to stab at the dog so that you can cut that cable if they get snared um we do encourage whenever possible to keep your dog on a leash I love, I mean, I had a hunting dog English setter who could run like the wind and, um, and, and I let him run 
but I was taking a hell of a chance, a hell of a chance. And, and we do, we like to see them have that freedom and he had great recall, but it's, it's risky. Not so much outside the winter time because the winter is when they get the best pelts, you know, like right now, the majority, 75% of the wolves that have been killed, so reported killed in January, where we're only at January 20th, 75% of those wolves were trapped in Montana. 75% of the wolves this month. Normally it's closer to 50% and the overall number 40 to 50%, but trapping is so heavy right now. Um, the Kana bears, there's videos. We have a video on our website. If your dog gets an Akana bear, um, things, because they're not easy to figure out. You really have to know. You're going to look at it and go, what is this contraption with these two metal things clamped down? The other thing, whenever you go to release your dog from a trap, they're probably going to bite you. When you were asking about injuries, pe people get bit because the dog's freaking out. They're hurting, you know, so you've got to cover their head while you release that trap. And we did have one guy um, who got trapped himself multiple times because there's never just one trap, never just one. So as he was trying to free his dog and he was putting his hand down, he was getting caught in the other traps. It's a mess. It is a mess. It's a mess. And, I mean, that's a mess. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how these people sleep at night. I don't know how they look themselves in the mirror. And if I have helped create, if Trap Free has helped create shame and scorn, good because they deserve it they deserve it yeah no animal deserves this treatment there's no need if you have a problem animal and you've tried everything else then the last resort is you shoot that animal the last resort and i would even say that's that's often a stretch because that you got to look at why you have a problem because if you remove that animal somebody else is going to come in the thing here is it's usually pretty easy to find clear incentive for, for maybe asymmetrical preferential treatment. You know, that there's, there's preferential treatment here because of this and that and the other, and it's at the least understandable and usually monetary or I guess culturally relevant, but, but I can't find it here. It's not a big money maker and it's not very popular in the general, general hunting public, but there has to be something, right? Because it would be so easy to just create a regulation that is hunter's orange adjacent, that that alerts people to the presence of, of dangerous traps. There has to be something that makes traps safer for bycatch. And if there isn't, then we have to question whether we can do this in any capacity that isn't overtly safe, unsafe, and, and unmanageable. I mean, at the least, there doesn't seem to be a great excuse for not regulating it wherever possible to make it safer for, for civilians or for bycatch. Um, I'm just lost on it. I think it's going to take a lawsuit. But why? Because they're not, it's not like they're bringing millions of dollars in. Every no, I know. Well, you know, hunting is on the decline. Montana still ranks up there. I think we're number three, I think South Dakota or North Dakota. One of the Dakotas is number one. Um, and then there's, I think, Idaho, Idaho or Wyoming, can't remember. And then we're number three, but hunting is on the decline. And I don't know, I don't know what the fear base is, but it's, 
And it'd be good to find out because it is, there's, like I said, it's a national movement. It's a concerted effort to protect trapping. And they're using the same terminology, like they're looking at it like it's all in one pot. And what they're really doing is they're hurting hunting. Oh, yeah. They're giving ethical sportsmen a bad name. They're giving yeah. our state a black eye. There's just, it's just, it, then we have to, then there's got to be the national movement to obviously prevent this from getting any larger than it already is, which clearly you're a part of, and there are other organizations doing that. It's, yeah, it's mind-boggling to me too. And I think it's not, I think it's just the fact, Casey, that you presented all these, again, the information you presented today is is absolutely worthwhile for everybody who's going to listen to this, who everybody who's listening to this now to understand the issues surrounding not only Montana, but clearly there are other states that are allowing these practices, that it's happening nationally. It's not just centralized into one specific state or three or four specific states and that they need to really get on the horn, see these. And some of these pictures are awful, but you need to have that stuff put in front of your face so that it registers, I think, with a lot of people. Because you can say it's bad and it's it sounds bad and all oh, the, the words are one thing, but I think if you visually step back and look at it and see some of these photos that we've seen come across, it will register, I think, in a whole different way. I think, though, you bring up a great point. People will attack Montana, and they have every reason to, and say, oh, what a horrible state. And then I try to say, we're not, really. It's a small minority who's in charge now. But check what your state is doing. I mean, like New York is one of the absolute worst on the numbers that they they kill. You know, there's estimates, millions of animals are trapped and destroyed in, in this country every year. So find out what's happening in your state and get involved. Like they know me, they know me by first name. I go to these meetings all the time and others look and go, who's she? And, you know, the, the fish and wildlife people are addressing me by name because I'm involved. So even if you say, I can't handle the pictures, we have some supporters that won't read our newsletter because usually I'll have a difficult picture in there. I've kind of started to back off a little because they're already our supporters <laughs> and I want them to re read the newsletter. But there's so many, like I said, it gets back to so many ways to help. There are citizen advisory council meetings in Montana that you know people need to go. And now with Zoom, things are so much easier. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to go in person, like to testify. We don't have to, I, don't, I won't go to Helena. I won't drive over that pass in the winter and the three hours and the bad roads and the wildlife. And I can do it over Zoom. So there's there's lots of ways, but a big piece, I'm glad you brought that up, John, that it's a national problem uh, other than a few states. There's like a handful of states that have cleaned it up. Uh, upstate New York, upstate New York is pretty bad. Oh, real yeah. bad. The number of animals that are trapped in Southern New York. Yeah. Um, and then the furs too, to, you know, we, we were instrumental. I can't trap free, can't take much credit, but we were part of the whole movement to stop Canada, uh, um, Canada goose coats, right? Canada, Canada goose, you know. You, oh, I see. Da for da down. Yeah. For no, down, not down. Know. Fur. That's coyote fur. Coyote fur. Oh, oh, I yeah. see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, the company's Canada Goose. Did I say that right? Oh, you're talking about the company Canada. Oh, okay. Got it, thinking, got it. Got it. How the heck do you make a, 
goose, a coat out of a goose. I don't okay, know. I'm, I'm okay, still trying to confuse you. Even for <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that would have that would have done me. We're in over. We're over an hour and a half in. This is like coats out of yeah. Exactly. Don't give any ideas. But at least they're not they're not doing that with the coyotes anymore. Effective this year. Um, they're going to use what they have, and they're not going to be buying more. You know, okay. that's, a, that's a popular company. Yeah, so it's to a be, huge to win. Be using, a lot of designers are takes. going fur free. We don't, we don't, we don't encourage people to wear fake fur um, because you can't really tell. Also, to be fair, it's probably made of plastic and it's bad for yeah, the environment. Yeah, probably bad for the right. environment. Exactly. Don't worry. You anything. can't tell and. And it can be a twisted, like, oh, you can't afford the real thing, but you support it, right? You support the wearing right, fur. So right, we don't right, we don't right. encourage fake fur either. But like I said, I could talk to the cows come home about trapping, <laughs> confuse you, <laughs> depress you. No. Uh, All this stuff, listen, everything that you've said today is really a springboard, I hope, for those that are listening to this and so that they can get involved. I will tell everyone now we'll have the the email address so you guys can email Trap Free Montana. I will have the website on there. I know it's getting undated, but still get in touch with Casey if you're interested in this. If you're if you want to know how to make a difference, she is at the forefront of all this stuff. Um, let me ask you my final question, Casey, before we let you go. When you hear the word wolf, what is the thing that comes to your mind? Sadness. That's the first word that came to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting there, man. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of irons in the fire for this stuff. And you are, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you for the first time at the symposium. And it's, it's great to have you here with Stephen and I, and you are absolutely welcome anytime. If you guys need any promotion, if there's any legislation, anything coming down, you have an open invitation to come back and talk to us about anything that's going on. So thank you. I really do. I, I, this has been an honor and thank you for um, allowing me all this time to kind of tell you as much as I could. Unfortunately, there's more, (laughs) but you know, we're making headway. That's a, that's a good thing. I should leave that on a positive note. We are making headway and this will end mark my words. I agree with you. I think it's it's coming down the the road. There's going to be a, a fight that has to happen. And again, I think, as Stephen and I always tell, I think anybody that's listening, play the radical middle. Please talk to people like they're people, um, because that's the only way that really this any of this stuff ultimately comes to a close. Is that we have to treat each other like human beings, and try and find that compromise. Because if we don't. We're just going to be having the same discussions we're having 50, 60, 100 years down the line. Um, and who knows if we have, you know, that much time for a lot of the species that are out there. So just, you know, that'll be my final thought with all of you. Casey York, thank you so much. Stick around just for a minute um, after we sign off. I just want to touch on a couple of things. Uh, how's to you all out there? And Stephen, I'll be with you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Looking to support Wolf Connection or sponsor one of the wolves in our pack? Just go to wolfconnection.org, click on the Donate tab, and find out more information. 